Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. I'm Louis Carpus, and I guess you know who you are. And I've got to just say that tonight I'm ticking something off on my bucket list because since 1991, I've interviewed every single Protea captain, but every single Protea captain except for one. And tonight is my chance. Temba Bavuma, hello and welcome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. So let's start at the beginning, if we may, how did a young kid from Langa in Cape Town eventually end up as the captain of the Proteus? It just doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> I think I just started with the love of the game. Um, to be honest, um, I was born and I grew up in a place where sport was quite prevalent within the township. Um, I grew up in a family that was quite active, cricket being one of the sports that were played. Um, by my uncles um, and I think at, from a young age I had the opportunity or, or I had the benefit of having meaningful opportunities um, going to your traditional schools um, benefiting from the elite coaching the quality infrastructure um, having the right values being instilled in me from a young age um, and really just having the opportunity to to properly pursue my, my passion um, cricket was never the number one sport um, I have to admit I wanted to be a footballer um, but yeah, I think the path just took me along along the way of cricket, and I've got no no regrets um, about it. Yeah, and I mean we know how brilliantly you've done, but it could never have been easy, Timber. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. When we look back, um, it wasn't the easiest time to be involved in a sport that was predominantly white. Um, okay, Omar Henry, whom we've spoken to on this podcast, was a, a player of color, and and a couple of others. But to be a black South African cricketer, you know, it was not really heard of in those days, besides, of course, Makai Rintini. I think, I think looking back at it, you know, I can definitely agree with you that the odds were kind of stacked against um, one to, to get to this point where they are, considering their background, considering a lot of, a lot of factors. Um, I guess during that time, I was, I was quite naive to a lot of things. Um, even though, like, looking back, I kind of think, you know, there were certain things that happened that were quite um, questionable, or I, I asked myself, how did I manage to go through some of the challenges that I went through? And I think what helped me a lot is the support system that I had around me, being the family, um, being within the schooling, the schooling system as well, in that whenever, I guess, things got tough, um, whenever I started to stray um, out of line, I had people around me to kind of get me back onto the right track, Um I think, yeah, my journey, I guess, is one that is quite unique. Um, I think there's not many black African batters kind of applying their trade within the South African system. So, you know, challenges that I've faced are, have been quite new to me. Um, and it's been tricky in trying to, I guess, speak to people around you because sometimes, you know, they can't really relate to the type of um, challenges that you face but I think I'm just trying to take it day by day um, take it as the journey you know I think that's kind of helped me kind of navigate through it all it's been enjoyable no regrets like I'll always say um, it's been it's been enjoyable so far were you ever ostracized from your community for playing what was in those days a so-called white sport at I guess most probably at a privileged school that people might have thought hmm, look at this bloke so cricket in Langa was quite was quite big at that time so I mean I grew up within in that culture um i guess the only thing that maybe the guys would have teased me they would have called me a a cheese boy if i could call it someone who was privileged having the opportunity to to go to school at your traditional sporting school um kind of to live to get a, a 
a stronger taste of, of that life. I mean, those were things that I kind of got teased about. But I think with, within Langa, within Cape Town, and I was still staying there in that community... Um, I think it was a lot more, it was a lot more praise, you know, behind it. Um, I don't know if it might have been different if maybe I grew up or if I was born in, in the other townships um, within within Cape Town. But Langa, I mean, there was a lot of support um, that came my way. Look, somebody who you must know extremely well, whom we've also spoken to, Aaron Pankiso, he was telling me an unbelievable story about how he grew up in Shoshenkuva and uh, he took a lot of that from his township days into his days as a professional cricketer. And that's what he says made him a stronger and a better person. I don't think, though, and I I stand to be corrected, that he would have been under the same kind of pressure that you have been under. It almost seems as though a captain of South Africa is there for the public to knock down. Yeah, I guess... I mean, like you said at the beginning, you know, having a black African captain, that's something that was unheard of, you know, um, it's something that I guess people would have never fathomed. Um, And I guess you'll always, and I say this respectfully and sensitively, people will always question whether that guy is the right person or not for that job. Um, That will always come about because you have something that is just, it wasn't imagined. Um, I mean, a guy like Aaron Pangiso, you know, when I joined the Lions, straight out of school you know he was one of the just the older guys um in and around in and around that time and i mean we've had many a conversations um i guess sharing from our own from our own journeys and i guess there's a lot of similarities between what we faced um i think he's has been a lot more deeper um but i guess it also shows the resilience and the perseverance that i guess has become innate in us because of what we've experienced through our backgrounds he spoke uh, quite openly about the culture shock of going from Shoshenkuva to india and, and playing in england and places like that um how was it for you <laughs> uh i think for me by that time by the time that i got the opportunity to travel um, I'd, to be honest, I'd, I'd adjusted a lot more by that time. Um, like I said, I've been grown up in a white system, if I could call it, um, because of the schooling. So, I mean, it got to a point, to be honest, where I could kind of speak the language, walk the walk. Um, but I never obviously forgot my roots and my culture and where all of that um, comes from. Um, so I think I almost developed a more balanced view um, of kind of having to navigate between those two worlds. Um, so having opportunities to go to India, I mean, those happened while I was a professional cricketer. I think, think traveling to India, I think, is a culture shock for, for anyone, to be honest, um, because life in India is just totally different. The disparities between the haves and the have-nots is, is so wide. Um, worse than us here in South Africa. So I think that is a cultural shock for anyone. Um, and you go to places like England, I think England is a bit more from a sporting point of view and how the tradition of the sport has been um, kept um, and how it's almost, there's like a certain sacredness about the game in, 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 in England. So yeah, I think from a cultural shock, maybe, maybe, not, as, maybe not as deep as a guy like Aaron would say, um, but definitely it did open up my eyes to other other perspectives of the world, if I could say. Right, let's talk about the early days, cricket-wise. I mean, you come along, what are you, five foot three, five foot four? I mean, you're not that big in stature, but I guess what you lack yeah. in height, uh, you have most definitely in heart. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I've always been the smaller guy within the team or within the group of friends. So I think there was always that element of proving to not yourself, but to people around that you can do exactly what the other kids can do um you're as quick as the other kids you're as strong as the other kids um so i mean that's something that i kind of grew up on i guess that motivating factor that i always had inside of me 
Um, I mean, even when I joined first class cricket, there were question marks to say, is this guy, um, is he not too small to play at this level? Um, when you play international cricket, the same questions were asked. Um, is he not too small to play? So, I mean, those are things that I always kind of dealt with um, internally. Um, and I'm happy that I think for all the small people out there, I've been able to get a win for all of them. Tell me something. Did you ever feel, and maybe you even still do, that you've got to be 10% better than anybody else to be recognized the same as everybody else? Definitely. I think growing up in South Africa as a, as a black individual, you definitely have to be better than the average guy. Um, that goes without saying. And I think that is something that black cricketers out there should accept um, and take it within within their stride. Um, that's just the mentality that exists around the sport. I don't know how it is with them other sports. Um, and I think the sooner you are able to accept that, the easier it is for you to kind of go about um, go about your business. I think I should just remind our listeners um, that there are two certain cricketers, one by the name of Brian Charles Lara and the other one by the name of Sachin Tentulka, who are only so much a little bit taller than you and look at the, <laughs> their careers. Let's remind them that you don't need to be six foot. Yeah, those guys, those guys are geniuses. Um, what they've gone on to achieve in their careers, I mean, some of us can only imagine. Um, those guys were heroes for me growing up. I mean, I think from a batting point of view, I kind of tried to emulate Tenduka um, more than anything in terms of his technique and the simplicity of it all. Um, I mean, Brian Laura, he was held in our household you know, the way he went about his business. And I think for us, you know, those were our heroes growing up, um, watching guys like Brian Laura go about and dominate attacks around the world, you know, and also seeing a guy who, who's the same color as you, you know, you felt that it really gave you that sense of sense of real hope that one day you could also see yourself in that environment, in that space. Who were your South African heroes cricket-wise growing up? South African heroes growing up, I think obviously a guy like Jacques Callis, you know, he's someone that, all of us have looked up to um, just the way that he went about his 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 business. Um, I think Makayantini as well. I mean, he goes without saying in terms of. I think I think when when you think of the Proteas, you kind of think of the word hope and how you know the Proteas kind of gives hope to to the nation. Um, and and seeing a guy like Makayan do what he did for such a long period of time, considering where he came from, he really gave everyone actually within the country that that real sense of hope. Um, but yeah, I would say those two guys, uh, Makayantini as well as um, Jean Callis. And also, I mean, Tammy Tolakeli and Malusi Saboto, they were on the same street that you lived in, weren't they? Yeah, we all grew up in the same street. Um, Tammy's a little bit older than us, um, but yeah, we all grew up on the same street in, in Langa. Kubusana Street, it's called. So now you have played a bit of uh, provincial cricket and you get called up to the South African side of all teams to play against the West Indies. What was that like? Sure, I was scared to be honest uh, when I got my call up. Um, remember, I was driving to, to training um, and I got a call from, from Andrew Hudson um, and all I could say to him was, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I think it really became real when I obviously joined the team. Um, I had to, we joined up in, in St. Chiron. Yeah, St. Chiron is where we joined up and then I obviously made my debut in the second test that was in PE. But I mean, joining the guys, having to find a seat in the changing room you know, sitting close to a guy like Amla, close to a guy like David De Villiers, you know, that gave me that gave me chills. Um yeah, it was a it was a surreal moment. I wish I could have um enjoyed it a lot more. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but I wish I could have could have sunk in a lot more within me that moment. Um and really give myself a lot of appreciation um for, for getting to that point um with everything 
that had happened to that point um, with all the, I guess, negative negativity, criticism, perception around cricket um, within the country. You know, I feel like I should have given myself a lot more appreciation for for getting to that, for getting to that point. And then, of course, let's just skip ahead a little bit and take you to the hallowed grounds of Newlands. And I'm very biased. I will be honest, and I have been honest. It is just, for me, the ultimate cricket venue in the world. And I've been to a few. And that's made in 100. Could you bottle that feeling, do you think? Uh, I think, firstly, I mean, I must confess as well, I think Newlands is, is the best ground in the world. And I don't just say that because that's where I dreamt of playing for South Africa. But I think just everything about it um, is is beautiful. Um I think yeah, that was obviously a significant moment um, in, in in many ways for for myself, but even the the country. Um, I think at the time when it happened, you know, I was very much fixated on what it meant to me personally as a as a cricketer, having the opportunity to score your first international hundred, um, and obviously your first Test hundred as well. But then, you know, looking at it from a wider, significant point of view. Um, the fact that it was a black African who who's, who finally achieved such a feat after so many years of, of democracy within the country. Um, and obviously that's brought a certain, how could I say, expectation or pressure, pressure on myself. Um, and I mean, I must say I haven't always lived up to that expectation and pressure. But I think it, it's been one of a privilege um, to, to kind of done and carry that privilege. I think no one really has ever had um, within their career. But I think for Alfred Newlands, sure, it's hard for me. I've, I've, I've always struggled to honestly put it into words. Um, but yeah, it's the best thing that, that could have happened to my career up until that point. Was there in at any time that kind of a feeling when that ball went to the boundary and you, you <coughs> raised your back for the 100 that you thought to yourself, hmm... This is for all my detractors. Here I am, a little dude, black South African, playing at the hallowed grounds of Newlands, and I'm the first one to score a hundred. Up yours, buddy. Did, did you feel like that? To be honest with you, the what it meant to the country at that point. I mean, I I wasn't even thinking along those lines. Um, and I know I think I've said this to people, and it comes at a bit of a surprise. But that was never there in, in my head. Um, I think at that point, you know, just like I said, the fact that it was my first Test 100, um, it gave me that real sense of belonging within that level. Um, but I think there was also a bit of pride, a lot more pride attached to it. You know, um, us as a team, where we are um, in that game, where we were within the series, we already won down. There was just a lot of pressure on us as batters. Um, there was pressure on a lot of on, on everyone, um, from the captain to the senior players. Um, there was there was a lot more of a fight um, in that innings. You know, there was a bit of um, I won't say an altercation, but between myself and Ben Stokes. So there were a lot of emotions that were brewing um, within with, within that game. So I mean, I was quite fixated um, and engulfed in all of that, and then everything else. Kind of came after that, um, and realizing that you're the first black African dude to go and achieve this, um, and what what that means for for myself as well as the the those are things that I learned um, after after that moment. So you you had that wonderful Newlands experience, and then what happened? Why did it take <laughs> you so long to get another one? 
Yes, if I if I, I think if I knew, I think I would have scored a lot more. Um, I honestly don't know, to be honest with you. Um, but I think looking at my my role within the team, obviously I was a better, and I mean as a better, you want to score as many runs as you can. But I always, I guess in my mind, I always wanted to be the guy that contributes when the chips were down. Um, try put put my hand up when when the team needed to. Um, and that's what I really prided myself on. And I, I, I felt that. I, I, I had a lot more energy when I used to walk in and the team was 20 for four versus when we were 250 for four. Um, and also if I find myself getting the team out of a bad situation and I'm in the 60s or 70s, I think mentally I kind of let, let God from that point of view. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that, that led to my that led to me not scoring as many hundreds that I feel that I should. Um, I've scored a lot of hundreds. Um, more, I mean, I've scored a lot of 50s. Um, more 50s that I should have. Um, but I think now, you know, getting the responsibility of batting at the top, batting at number four, you know, there's a greater, there's a greater need for someone to lead um, our batting attack you know, put down the scores. And I think that shift in mindset has, has at least pushed me towards, you know, getting closer to, to scoring to scoring hundreds and a lot more of them. So let's just talk about, um, do, you, do you pay much attention to statistics? I mean, are you aware you three run short of 3,000 in tests? No, I'm not a big, to be honest, I'm not a big statistic person, no. So you, you are three runs short of 3,000, I can tell you. You scored 2,997 runs at a test average okay. of 35.25, and yet people are still questioning the fact that you might not necessarily be the right man for the job. That must irritate you at times. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, you'll get people that, that, uh, that support you. You'll get people that you, I guess, will try to attract, attract you um, along your way. Um, I think if I look at, or at least what I've been told the last three, four years, I've been the best batter within the team with whatever, whatever metric that you that that you would like to use. So I mean, before you say that, you know, I'm not the best man. You better be able to find someone who has better stats than I'd have, you know, um, in the last three or four years at least. So, but I mean, those things will always be there. Um, like I think. You 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 want to stay as focused as you can, um, and what you need to do. Everything else that you feel is not is not geared, um, or aligned to 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 where it wants to to where you wanted to take you. I think those things are unnecessary. Um, I believe I'm the right guy. I'm the decision makers within the team. The players believe I'm the right guy. So as long as as long as that as as long as that is still there and that matters. Um, I'm happy to, to to and carry the responsibility that has been bestowed upon me. And of course, the the new coaching staff clearly are very supportive of you and are giving you all the backing in the world. I know we still got to go under uh, Shukri Conrad in a test series coming up later in the year and whatever. But I mean, that performance of yours in the One Day Internationals and that hundred and the celebration when you got to that hundred was almost like. You know, a cork coming out of a champagne bottle. It seemed like that emotion had been built up in you over a long period of time. Uh, and it was, in fact, more emotional for me seeing you mm-hmm. getting that 100 than the Test 100 at Newlands that I watched. Yeah, I mean, this year has been, 
I mean, it's been almost, I guess, a, a tale of two two sides, if I could say. The season started. Um, looking at the way that that it's ended, um, I mean, I I totally agree with you. I think with the changes that have happened in in, in and around the team, um, there's definitely been a, a new fresh fresh air, not just to myself but also to other players within the team. And I guess players feel a lot more secure, um, comfortable and confident to really go out and, and do what they've been selected selected on. Um, and I mean, you know, obviously speaking about myself, you know, I've definitely um, enjoyed and benefited from that. Um, it's almost as if shackles have been, have been unleashed. Um, and there's license for, for us to kind of go out there and, and really just try express ourselves um, without all the unnecessary um, insecurities um, and trust issues. Now, I think you'll be the first to admit, and I, I really don't want to put a damper on what is an absolutely wonderful interview with you. I mean, today, the South African A-side were comprehensively beaten by the Sri Lankan A-side because, again, our batting let us down in the longer form of the game. And let's yeah. be honest, I mean, last year in Australia, we didn't do very well, to put it bluntly. Um, do you think the short, thank you. Do you think the shorter version of the I didn't want to say that. Do you think the shorter version of the game has played a part in that? And perhaps as much as there's this fantastic amount of money in the 2020s and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, the actual purist like myself is actually being... Uh, short changed. I mean, just the, the other day, the World Test Championship, what were they, f- nearly 40 overs short in a, in a game yeah. of cricket? It's not right, is it? I think I think I need to defend our SAA boys. Um, Travelling to Sri Lanka is never an easy one. Conditions of, uh, in Sri Lanka are super foreign to what we used to hear in, in, in South Africa. So I think for me, that experience um, of them playing in conditions is... Is is in, in, invaluable, um, and they should take whatever lessons that that they take from there. And so far as Test cricket, look, I mean, Test cricket has obviously been been less of a priority, if I if, if I could say. And obviously, with the with the advent of T Twenty and all these leagues and the lucrativeness behind T Twenty cricket, I think. I mean, if you put yourself in a players in 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 the modern players. Um, shoes nowadays. Um, a guy has an opportunity to play in a tournament that is four weeks or eight weeks long, and potentially he can earn he can earn a a salary or a package that will surpass that probably amounts to maybe five years of playing Test cricket. You know, yeah. you've got time to spend more at home um, or to 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 do whatever the ordinary. 21 or 25 year old would do so I think that is quite attractive behind and I think it just probably puts a lot more responsibility on on the ICC and all those decision making bodies to make sure that test cricket is 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 still a priority I think for a lot of us who've grown up test cricket being being the main thing um I think it's still I still believe that it's within the hearts of the guys um Guys are, are, are still wanting to 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 do prioritize Test cricket, um, and I think also from a pride point of view as players, we kind of know that when we judge each other, 
when we give respect to each other, we don't give respect to each other based on how how far you hit the ball in T20 cricket. Um, it's all about what you can do when that red ball is coming at you because that's really where you get challenged as as a cricketer. Um, so I think from, from from that point of view as well within the cricketers, that still that still lives. And in terms of the game itself, um, I guess the economy of the game, you know, Test cricket is definitely is definitely under attack if I if, if I could call it. And I think a lot needs to be done. Not just not just by the decision makers, but I think the players as well who are who are at the top of their games to make sure that Test cricket is a priority for all. Uh Temba, in closing, um you've had a bit of a break. Uh, Injury-wise, you fit and ready and raring to go for the new season in training? Yeah, I fit, uh, fit at the moment. Um, the last month, I've been busy with uh, my pre-season training. Not like King our fitness trainer at the moment. With all <laughs> the weights and running that we're doing. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to get the body strong. It's obviously a jam-packed um, season ahead. Um, I'm still on a bit of a break. Not much, not nothing happening from the international front. Um, not much happening from a from a franchise front. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a little bit frustrating not being able to play cricket when you want to. But I think you know, being at home, that's also been something quite um, welcomed, not just by myself but uh, my wife and people there. And I'm sure you'll be uh, in front of the TV on Friday. I need to ask you while I've got you your thoughts on the Ashes. <laughs> Look, I think it's going to be exciting, um, the way that it's been built up, the way Ben Stokes has also come out in the media and said that he's going to come out and entertain. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I still feel still feel Australia have a little bit of the upper hand. Um, I mean, that Australian bowling attack is, as we South African batters would have, would have experienced last year, is a potent one. Um, so I would, I believe... Yeah, Australia will will come back with it. I think Australia need a guy like Steve Smith and probably Manus to to pack on the runs. Um, but yeah, I think just looking at the bowling attacks, um, I'd go with I'd go with Australia. I think for Australia's sake, Hazelwood needs to come back. He needs to be available because um, he'll be a handful in those conditions. And England are going to miss not having a spinner. I mean, unless they do bring Bowen Ali out to play, but I'm losing. Um, uh, their spinners so close to the ashes for the entire series uh, is a big blow, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Leach has been, I mean, he's been an important cog in that bowling attack. And I think he's also kind of taken on Ben Stokes' overs, who hasn't who hasn't been able to bowl that much of, of, of late um, for, for whatever reason. I think that's from a physical point of view. So whoever comes in, I mean, England will obviously lean a lot on them to be able to bowl those overs and also pick up crucial wickets um, on, on, on the way. And that's what a guy like Leach, Leach um, provided and did for them. Teba, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. I, I know your time is precious and you're spending time with the family and whatever, but I'd just like to thank you so much. And in conclusion, um, I'm sure, as I am, you are looking forward to the day where people just call you Timber and the black South African captain or the first black player to score a hundred and not just you, just people in general in our country, not give them a title with a colour rather than just call them by their name Look, I'd love I'd love for that Um, 
whether that is whether that's um idealistic you know whether that's really possible um considering considering everything considering our history um it's probably not um like i said you know i think it's it it, it is an, an honor you know to kind of carry that privilege uh, no one else has ever had that privilege yes it comes with a certain a certain type of pressure um the pressure that i don't think i was i was prepared um adequately enough but yeah I man i'll never I'll, I'll never complain or have any regrets about about anything and i think for for people to to know and acknowledge me as more than just timber the black african cricketer there's probably a lot more that i need to do from a from a personal from a personal point of view, um, but until then, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it within my stride, and always put on a smile um, wherever I go. Well, I'll tell you what I want to remember you by. I want to be in three months' time or four months' time, being saying, Temba and Sia, the two captains that won us the World Cup in 2023. How about that? Yeah, that'll be beautiful. <laughs> that'll be beautiful. Hopefully. On that note. We can make that happen. On that note, Emperor Bavuma, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time for joining us tonight on From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. And we'll be shouting, my captain, my captain. Thank you, Demba. Thank you, guys. That was fun. Thank you. That is tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. And as I've ended every night, Monday to Friday, be nice to each other. Until next time, bye for now.